the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now at eight minutes past ten o'clock. Thanks for being with us. On this Wednesday, it's the twelfth morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2022. It's the year that we reclaim our republic. And yes, it is indeed a republic for all of those who still don't know the difference between a representative republic and a true democracy. We are a representative republic. It's a shame, really, that we have to continue to make that very simple uh, distinction. Hour number two is a free hour, so that means we got plenty of opportunities for you to dial 216-901-0945 with your questions, with your comments about Biden or Harris's speech yesterday in Georgia. They went down to Georgia with the goal divide the country, divide the country along party, divide the country along race, divide the country along class lines, divide the country in any way that we can in order to try and stop the red tsunami. And that means we are going to have to convince everybody that all Republicans with their white supremacy and their toxic masculinity, all they want to do is suppress the votes of 55 million Americans. That's what Kamala Harris said, by the way, yesterday, if you missed it, Kamala Harris said that unless the John Lewis Voting Rights Act passes, Republicans passing state election laws that strengthen the laws to prevent against fraud is going to stop 55 million Americans from voting, or at the bare minimum, make it really hard for 55 million Americans to vote. This is what they said yesterday. Uh, the lies know no bounds. They they have just given up, given you know given up any pretense uh, of being truthful and honest and objective. They are willing to say just about anything to stop the inevitable defeat that they have brought uh, uh, to themselves. They've brought it on themselves. There is no question about it. So if you've got questions about that speech and about the Voting Rights Act and the uh, attempt to destroy the filibuster, despite promising to never want to destroy the filibuster, uh, if you want to get into any of those things, you may do so at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. And I do have more thoughts on that as well. By the way, I want to say, before I move on to the uh, couple of the other things I want to get your calls on, Dinesh D'Souza tweeted this as just another example. We all have examples, right, about voter identification, about requirements of identification. Um, we all have examples, but Dinesh you know, tweeted a pretty good one this morning. I wanted to share it. In several Democrat-run cities, you now have to bring your vaccine card and a valid photo ID to eat in restaurants or to participate in other public activities. Is this racist? 
Are Democrats suppressing the rights of blacks to eat in public? If not, then voter ID laws aren't racist either. Right? He's exactly right. They are requiring photo IDs and valid vaccine cards, which are probably much harder to obtain than a simple photo ID, which you can go down, and if you are quali- if you qualify under the poverty line, you can go down to a local BMV anywhere and get a free state ID, even if you're not a driver. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be a driver's license, free state ID, just something with your picture and address, uh, social security number, whatever they have to do to prove who you are, <laughs> excuse me, so that that may be used to vote. And to open a bank account. And to cash a check. And in so many, I mean, the, the example I used from just uh, two weeks now, I think two weeks ago I told you the story, I went to Drug Mart, and I uh, went to the pharmacy, I needed some pseudoephedrine. I always get the generic pseudoephedrines. They're so much cheaper than pseudoephed. Sorry, pseudoephed. It's true. Generic generic pseudoephedrine, big ninety six pack. I think is uh, uh, is uh, like around ten twelve bucks. I went to the pharmacy and I get it there all the time. You know, every every however many months it is that we go through those things. But the point of the matter, of course, is that you can't just buy pseudoephedrine in huge quantities, or the government's going to get suspicious because pseudoephedrine contains ingredients that is used in the making of meth. So meth labs, junkies, and, 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 and meth uh, uh, creators or, or, or cookers or whatever you want to call them, they frequently buy up pseudoephedrine or pseudoephedrine in order to use it to make their, their product. And so the government, getting wise to this, said, well, we need to check to make sure that you're not buying too many of those at once. So then we don't think you're using them for your health, for decongestant purposes, but you might be using it to cook up illegal drugs. So the government said to the pharmacists, when people come in buy this stuff, get their driver's license, scan it so that we can make sure that nobody's buying massive quantities of this. Now, is that a little bit of a violation of our privacy rights? Maybe. Maybe, but we have to present our driver's license for so many other things. It was no big deal. It never has been. But on this particular day, I went there a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sorry if I've already told you the story, but I was wearing sweatpants and not jeans, so I didn't have my wallet in my pocket. I don't carry my wallet whenever I'm, uh, uh, whenever I'm uh, uh, wearing sweatpants because there's no back pocket for it. I just have a money clip or something and some cash in my, in my pocket. So I, I went up there, and I ordered the pseudo-Fedrin, and they brought it up, and they said, driver's license, please? And I reached to my non-existent back pocket in my sweatpants and said, uh-oh, I don't have it. Can I get them anyway? And they said, can't do it. Can't sell you this medication without you showing us a driver's license. Would not sell it to me. That's not their fault. They're following what they've been told by the law. So I had to go home, get my driver's license, my wallet, and come back up and, re- and purchase the, the, the medication. But as I was doing so, I thought to myself... Would they do, you know, I, I, I actually asked myself the question, and I said it to my wife when I walked back in. She goes, that was fast. I said, yeah, it's because I didn't get the medication. She said, why not? I said, because I didn't have my driver's license. She goes, oh. And I looked at my wife, and I said to her, I said, how do black people get medication? And she just looked at me and waved me off and said, shut up. I said, but no, really. We are told that requiring a driver's license to cast a vote makes it harder for black people to vote because they can't get driver's licenses for some reason. And if they can't get driver's licenses for some reason, 
That means they also can't buy medication. At least not if they want Sudafed or the generic version thereof. Right? And I've gone down this path before. I mean, voter ID has been an issue for the left for so many years because of their extraordinary racism and their belief that black people are less capable of getting photo identification than white people. That photo ID is a is a perk of white privilege. And to require said photo ID to cast votes or buy medication is is suppressing minorities. It's it's voter suppression. And I'm just wondering how do people of color respond to that? I would just be so insulted if people said that people who look like me, of my color, of my ethnicity, can't do something as well as somebody else can. Especially something as simple as go to your local DMV, or BMV, I guess you can call it either one, and get either a free photo ID because you qualify for it under the if you're under the poverty line, or get your driver's license. Or get it renewed or whatever. I'd just be so insulted if people said, I can't do it as well as somebody else because I'm a darker color or a lighter color or a different ethnicity. When are African Americans going to wake up en masse and say to Democrats, shut up about voter ID being suppressive of our votes? We are capable of getting photo identification just like you. Joe, Brandon, Nancy, Chuck, every left-wing news uh, uh, broadcaster, we are perfectly capable of accomplishing things like, you know, getting driver's licenses, opening bank accounts, cashing checks, renting cars, renting motel rooms and hotel rooms, uh, uh, buying uh, 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 online. You need identification for all of those things. Trav flying. We, we, we could actually get into airports and actually get on planes. They ask us for photo identifications, and we actually have it. Believe it or not, we've advanced. I mean, I would just be so offended if I was a person of color by this. And that's what they did yesterday. They went down there, and they offended people of color. Kamala Harris literally said 55 million people of color, 55 million voters are going to have it. Make it it's going to be very, very hard for them to vote now if, Republican, if we don't pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and Republicans are allowed to strengthen voter integrity laws in states all across this country. It's a shame, and it's embarrassing. Charlie is in Westlake. Charlie, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Thanks for taking the call, Bob. Great show. Um, looking at how desperate... I mean, it's a full-court press they're doing for this Voting Rights Act, and it's, it's not going to pass. They don't have the votes. So they're doing this out of desperation or as a head fake to get us to react in another way so they have, they have another issue. I'm, I'm looking at they're so desperate they're going to try to put off the election, you know, postpone it or something, because uh, they know they're going to lose massively. 
Well, I mean, uh, I, I don't know about postponing the election, but yeah, they are desperate, which is why they're doing what they're doing by 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 trying to blow up the filibuster, the legislative filibuster, because they they know that if there are free and fair elections, uh, the 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 tide is going to turn, the the pendulum is going to swing, as it does generally speaking for the off part for the uh, uh, for the uh, minority party in uh, in a in a. Uh, uh, new election cycle, you know, in a, uh, I don't know why I'm having a hard time thinking of the word, the, the uh, midterm election. In a midterm election cycle, the minority party for a new uh, majority party president always gains massive numbers of seats. Add that to what's going on right now with respect to how many Democrats who are quitting. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tsunami of epic proportions. So, yeah, they, they are desperate. Uh, I don't know about putting off an election, but they'll wait for the next variant. They'll wait for the next, um, you know, calamity to happen to say, see, we can't all go out in public and get in line to vote. We have to do universal mail-in voting again. If they don't get the John Wright's, uh, John Lewis uh, voting rights bill passed, that is exactly what they will try to do, is say, fine, we didn't get it passed, but we can still declare uh, a national emergency, a national health emergency, just like they did in 2020 in order to stop, and, or at least attempt to stop this, uh, this massive uh, uh, voter swing. Yeah, that's my fear. Is that, and maybe they're trying to set a trap, another you know, booby trap for us to step into, and so they can just call this country theirs. Because this is... This, Voting rights thing, if it passed, we'd have to go to a revolution the next day because it would be never another fair election. So we would have to fight back. And it seems like it's a trap they're setting. It's, they're, they're so desperate. It's as if they don't they don't expect an election coming. I don't yeah. know. Well, I, I, I see. I don't see it that way, uh, uh, Charlie. I don't. See, I mean, a trap is something that you do quietly and 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 uh, covertly. Uh, it's something. And thank you for the call, my friend. Uh, you know, it's something that you try to do uh, under the radar, if you will. They're, they're broadcasting their intentions. They're shouting it out loud. I don't think it's a trap. I just think it's a full frontal assault on uh, historical uh, historical foundations of this great country of this republic. And they're using again racism and race uh, to to bolster their cause. I'm going to quote Biden here. You heard it already, I'm sure. So I ask every elected official in America, "How do you want to be remembered?" He said, "From of course Morehouse College, a historically black college. Do you want to be on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis?" He said. So, in other words, if you are a Republican. You are, and you do not support the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. You do not support our attempt to federalize the elections, thus literally upending 200 years of American law. If you are not on the side, then you are either A, a Confederate, that means you're on the wrong side in the Civil War, like Jefferson Davis, or um, you are a segregationist, like Bull Connor and George Wallace. The interesting part about that is all three of those individuals, segregationists and Confederates, were Democrats. As I said in the opening of the show, they're all Democrats. So he's basically saying, do you want to be on the right side or do you want to be on the Democrat side? He's too stupid to know that what he's doing is literally um, you know, condemning his own party. Because that's who those people were. All of them. Democrats. Now having said that, the beauty of it all is that this guy is so cartoonish, Joe Biden, that he has forgotten that he actually praised Jefferson Davis. And voted to restore his U.S. citizenship in 1977. A bill that was pushed and supported by fellow Democrats to restore Jefferson Davis's citizenship. Remember, his citizenship was revoked when he was, um, 
uh, convicted of treason, essentially for leading and becoming the Confederate president. Uh, he lost his citizenship, and posthumously, in 1977, a bunch of Democrat senators, led by, in part, Joe Biden, said we should restore his citizenship. He said it would be a turning point in this nation's history. He was part of the Senate Judiciary Committee in 1977. It unanimously voted to to have the uh, Jefferson Davis's citizenship restored. The bill was signed into law by Jimmy Carter. And Biden at the time said that what we needed to do is, is to try to put past us or put, put behind us the past and some of the terrible uh, things that had been done. He noted that Jefferson Davis had done a lot for the country when he served in the House and when he served in the Senate, and his turn when he joined the Confederacy and became its president is something that should not uh, define the rest of his life. It's interesting. It's very interesting that Joe Biden is using Jefferson Davis now as an example of what, if you you don't support Democrat uh, voting rights legislation, you're like Jefferson Davis. Uh, He actually forgave Jefferson Davis for his past um, uh, offenses, voted to restore his citizenship. And in other words, he would have opposed cancel culture for Jefferson Davis. He would oppose cancel culture if that was a thing back then. Because he forgave Jefferson Davis for his past offenses. Yet, the Robert E. Lee statue in Charlottesville, that's got to go. The name Thomas Jefferson from schools, that's got to go. Statues of George Washington, that's got to go. Biden and the left are so selective in which historical figures they support and which ones they want to cancel that he goes back and forth even with the likes of of Confederate President Jefferson Davis. He also, by the way, just for the sake of thoroughness here, he also supported George Wallace, praised George Wallace, who was the face of segregation. I mean, you you don't get that much more backwards than this cartoonish president that we have right now that we call Brandon. All right, 1025, quick uh, comeback. We're going to talk about Dr. Fauci and Rand Paul on AM 1420. When Dr. Science is always left. Attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science. You need Always Right with Dr. Bob France. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. On AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1028 on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, phone lines open to you, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. I do want to pivot a little bit and talk about yesterday's other top story, which, of course, is the uh, latest uh, one-on-one mano a mano or one-on-one mano a trollo. Because he is. He's an angry little troll, isn't he, Dr. Anthony Fauci? The latest battle between Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, and Dr. Anthony Fauci at a Senate hearing on COVID. Um, I can't play for you now because I'm too close to the news. I'll play for it on the other side. But... um, what do, what Rand Paul just did to Dr. Fauci, I mean, could almost consider be considered a rhetorical murder. Um, it, it, it was it was an absolute embarrassment, and I'm going to play the clips for you so you hear for yourself. Doctor, or excuse me, well, I can call Doctor too, Doctor Paul, Doctor Rand Paul, as he is a physician as well. But Senator Rand Paul uh, 
said to Dr. Fauci to his face the things that I have said on the air. Of course, I can't get Dr. Fauci to come with me on the radio. But as I've said on the air, what Dr. Fauci and Francis Collins, the director of NIH, did to three of the most prominent immunologists and virologists in the field today, from Harvard, from Stanford, and from Oxford, they deliberately, talking about uh, Fauci and Collins, deliberately teamed up to censor the viewpoints of these esteemed experts in the areas of immunology and virology, to declare them fringe scientists, and to declare their work pseudoscience. Why? Because it it differed with their response to the pandemic, which is, of course, vaccine, 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 vaccine. That's what they've done their entire careers. Science doesn't censor the viewpoints of other science. Science, scientists do not censor the viewpoints of other scientists. Scientists welcome the challenge and say, what would you find? Okay, here's what we found. Let's figure out what, re, what the reality is. Let's figure out what's true, what's not, which is contradictory, which isn't. That's what science does. Dr. Fauci was exposed yesterday by, by Senator Rand Paul as, as being a sci- not a scientist, but a practitioner of pseudoscience or a practitioner of scientism as Dr. Everett Piper likes to call it. He was exposed. He could not and would not answer any of the questions Rand Paul gave him, just accused Rand Paul of of making personal attacks. Well, here's a personal attack. Dr. Anthony Fauci is responsible for the deaths of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people by his lying and by his his, uh, participation in the gain-of-function research at the Wuhan laboratories. And that's why he hates listening to Rand Paul. He hates talking to Rand Paul because Rand Paul will not let that go. And neither will I. We'll have it next on AM 1420 The Answer. is always left. Tune your radio to the right and find a voice of reason amid the liberal chaos. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, 1037. I want to spend a little time here with the little troll that is Dr. Anthony Fauci, the man who has been responsible for more deaths, I think, than anybody in uh, anybody in my lifetime. I think I can say that safely. Um, Doc, for, before I get into the Rand Paul exchange, I just wanted to play this clip from uh, Fauci's appearance yesterday before that Senate committee, in which he was asked specifically, um, how good of a job has Joe Biden done on COVID? It's only a 28-second response. Listen. Has he done a good job? You know, I think given the circumstances that we're in right now, I believe he's done a very good job. I really do. This, this is an extraordinary virus, the likes of which we have not seen even close to in well over 100 years. It is a very wily virus. It has fooled everybody all the time. From the time it first came in to Delta to now Omicron, very unpredictable, and we're doing the best we possibly can. Dr. Fauci believes that Joe Biden has done a very good job. His words, he's done a very good job. I really do. He believes that. When when, uh, Joe Biden took over, As president of the United States, we had uh, less than 200,000 deaths due to the COVID virus. And that was in 2020 
when there were no quote-unquote life-saving vaccines yet available till the very end of 2020, November, December. There are now, according to the CDC, over 830,000 deaths, either from or with COVID-19. And Dr. Fauci thinks that's a good job. What I would like to know is what was done to prevent deaths from COVID-19 after COVID-19 diagnosis. What treatments were offered other than jam them into the ICU and vent them? What treatments were offered by Joe Biden's uh, American Medical Association staff? What treatments were offered? What therapeutics were offered? What about the monoclonal antibodies that are right now in such short supply that they're finally getting around to saying maybe we should give to people who have COVID? What has Joe Biden done about COVID that is a very good job? What did he do from the time he took office January 20th till today, January 12th of the next year, other than scream, get vaccinated. We're running out of patience. Get vaccinated. Vaccines will stop you from transmitting the disease. It'll stop you from being up, becoming infected from the, with the disease. He said that. It was an absolute lie. Then it's vaccine will stop you from dying. Absolute lie. Vaccine will stop you from being hospitalized. Absolute lie. What has he done? Get vaxxed, get tested. Get vaxxed, get tested. That's all he screamed for 12 months. And it doesn't work because the vaccine doesn't work. They're not vaccines. Vaccines inoculate. These do not inoculate you from infection. They're not vaccines. And yet that's all he screamed is get vaxxed. That's Dr. Fauci. Has he done a good job? You know, given the circumstances, yes, I believe he's done a very good job. I really do. What has he done? What has he accomplished before admitting that there is no federal solution to COVID? What has he done before he literally admitted defeat? There is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Nothing whatsoever. So I, d- I just need to get that bit of Fauci out there for you before I give you the rest of this. Now, this is the part I really wanted you to hear. Yesterday, Senator Rand Paul, in another Senate committee hearing with Dr. Fauci on COVID, pointed out some of the things to his face that you've heard me say, being very critical of Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, just to you as an audience, because Dr. Fauci, I can't seem to get him on the airwaves. He'll go on with uh, Hugh. He'll go on with some of the national uh, shows, but he doesn't come on local radio. It's okay. I understand it. A lot of people don't. But I wish I had the opportunity to do what Rand Paul did yesterday. Rand Paul did this. That any criticism of you would be considered a criticism of science itself is quite dangerous. Central planning, whether it be of the economy or of science, is risky because of the fallibility of the planner. It would not be so catastrophic if the planner were simply one physician in Peoria. Then the mistakes would only affect that physician's patients, the people who chose that physician. But when the planner is a government official, like yourself, who rules by mandate, the errors are compounded and become much more harmful. A planner who believes he is the science leads to an arrogance that justifies, in his mind, using government resources to smear and to destroy the reputations of other scientists who disagree with him. In an email exchange with Dr. Collins, you conspire, and I quote here directly from the email, to create a quick and devastating published takedown of three prominent epidemiologists. 
from Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. Apparently there's a lot of fringe epidemiologists at Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. And you quote in the email that they, or from Dr. Collins, and you, you agree that they are fringe. And immediately there's this takedown effort. A published takedown, though, you know, doesn't exactly conjure up the image of a dispassionate scientist. Instead of engaging them on the merits, you and Dr. Collins sought to smear them as fringe and take them down. And not in journals, in lay press. This is not only antithetical to the scientific method, it's the epitome of cheap politics, and it's reprehensible, Dr. Fauci. Do you really think it's appropriate to use your $420,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you? I'm going to pause this here before he answers and remind you of who those three scientists are. Those three scientists from Harvard, Stanford, and Oxford were, again, three of the most esteemed epidemiologists, virologists, immunologists in the world. Their status and their professionalism has never been called into question before, ever, until they wrote the Great Barrington Declaration. The Great Barrington Declaration, which criticized these overwhelmingly wrong responses to COVID-19, the lockdowns, the forced masking, and so forth. Their, their Great Barrington Declaration just flies in the face of everything Fauci knows how to do. So rather than acknowledging these three scientists and their expertise in the field and saying, let's see if we can come to some agreement on what this really means, he immediately tried to discredit them, along with Francis Collins, the director of the National Institute of Health, tried to discredit them as fringe pseudoscientists. This is, it is, as uh, Rand Paul just said, it's antithetical to the scientific, to scientific principles. Uh, but that's what he decided to do. And it's something I wish I could ask Dr. Anthony Fauci. And so since Rand Paul did, here's the answer. The, the email you're referring to was an email of Dr. Collins to me. If you look at the email that you responded to and hurried up and said, I can do it, I can do it. We got something in Wired no, magazine. No, no, no. I think in you usual did. fashion, Senator, you are distorting everything about me. Did you First ever object all, to Dr. Collins's characterization of them as fringe? Did you write back to Dr. Collins and say, no, they're not fringe, they're esteemed scientists, and it would be beneath I, me I did to not do that. Be, you responded to him that you would do it, and you immediately got an article you, in Wired, you, you, and you sent it back to him and said, hey, look, I've got them, I nailed them in Wired of all scientific publications. That's not publications. what went on. You there did. you go again. That you was just do the same thing every year. That was your response. And so, this, wasn't, so, this wasn't the only time. So your desire to take you're down people incorrect as usual, Senator. You no. are incorrect. Almost everything. You well, said. no, you deny. You deny. Right. But the emails tell the truth of this. No, this wasn't the only time your desire to take down those who disagree with you didn't stop with Harvard, Oxford and Stanford. You conspired with Peter Dazak, who you communicated with privately and other members of the scientific community that wrote opinion pieces for nature. Five of them signed a, a paper for Nature, an opinion piece. Seventeen signed a paper that called it conspiracy theory, the idea that the virus could have originated in the lab. Do you think words like conspiracy theory should be in a scientific paper? Senator, I never used that word when I was referring to it. You're distorting virtually everything. Did you communicate with the five scientists who wrote the opinion piece in Nature? Were they... We're describing, oh, this, there's no way this could that have come from, from the lab. That was not me. 
What did I you did, talk with any of those see, scientists but privately? You keep the, you keep the story you? of the truth. It is did you talk, how did you, you do talk that? to any of the scientists privately yes. who wrote the opinion? You did. Well, what were they telling you privately? Well, let me explain. You know you're going back to that original discussion when I brought together a group of people to look at every possibility with an open mind. So you, not only Except for Dr. Batakaria and Dr. Kaldorf, except for the three uh, uh, authors of the, the, the Great Barrington Declaration. You didn't bring them in to discuss anything with, with an open mind. You're distorting it. You're completely turning it around. As Were most you of the scientists do. that came to you privately, did they come to you privately and say, no way, this came from the lab? Or was their initial impression, Dr. Gary and Dr. others that were involved, was their initial impression actually that it looked very suspicious for a virus you know, that came from a lab? Senator, we are here at a committee to look at a, a virus now that has killed almost 900,000 people. Another lie. I just, I, I love how people like, like this troll. Anthony Fauci accuses Rand Paul of distorting information and distorting truth and then sits there and says a virus that has killed almost 900,000 people. This coming literally just a day after the CDC acknowledged that over 75% of the people who have died from or with COVID, and there's a big difference there, but 75% of the people who have been counted as deaths with or from COVID, had four or more co- co- comorbidities. Four or more. That's minimum of four comorbidities, which means other ailments, other things that can take their lives. And they happened to die while they had COVID, and then they, we went ahead and charted them as COVID-19 deaths. And he sits there with assurance and says, it's killed over 900,000 people or almost 900,000 people. He is a liar. I mean, there is just no other way to say it. I wish there was a stronger way. I mean, maybe Will Ferrell and Elf would work. You sit on a throne of lies, Dr. Science. But let's let this little uh, dog and pony show continue. And the purpose of the committee was to try and get things out, how we can help to get the American public. And you keep coming back to personal attacks on me, that have absolutely no relevance to reality. Do you think anybody has had more influence let, over let our response finish. to this than you have? Do you Madam think it's a great Chair, success? I... Do you think it's a great success what's happened what? so far? Do you think you, the lockdowns said... are good for our kids? Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead architect for the response from the government. And now 800,000 people have died. Right. Do you think it's a uh, winning success, what you've advocated for government? Um, Senator, first of all, <clears throat> if you look at everything that I said, you accuse me of in a monolithic way telling people what they need to do. Everything that I've said has been in support of the CDC guidelines. Wear a mask. Get boosted. And you've advocated to make it coarse and take done a look at course, everything that I said. And none of it has worked. This is where I wish Rand Paul would have just said that. How's that working out for you, Doc? None of that has worked. What have you done to treat people who test positive with COVID? What have you recommended there? You haven't recommended anything done by mandate. But you've advocated that your infallible opinion be dictated by law. Right. 
So, again, Madam Chair, I would like just a couple of minutes because this, this happens all the time. You personally attack me and with absolutely not a shred of evidence of anything you say. So I would like to make something clear to the committee. He's doing this for political reasons. What you need to do is he said in front of this committee. You think your takedown of three was, prominent was epidemiologists was not political? You, you don't want me that to finish because you know what I'm going to say. Senator, that was the question. Senator, Were you political in taking down right. these three point, prominent epidemiologists? Senator Paul, if you would please, um, I'm going to allow this, uh, the, Dr. Fauci to respond. We have a number of senators no. who would like to ask questions, and I would like him to be able to respond. Please do so. so the last time we had a committee of the time before, he was accusing me of being responsible for the death of five, four to five million people, which is really irresponsible. And I say, why is he doing that? There are two reasons why that's really bad. The first is it distracts from what we're all trying to do here today, is get our arms around the epidemic and the pandemic that we're dealing with, not something imaginary. Number two, what happens when he gets out and accuses me of things that are completely untrue is that all of a sudden that kindles the crazies out there and I have life that threats upon my life, harassment of my family and my children with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me. Now, you know, I guess you could say, well, that's the way it goes. I can take the hit. Well, it, it, it makes a difference because as some of you may know, just about three or four weeks ago on December 21st, a person was arrested who was on their way from Sacramento to Washington, D.C. at a speed stop in Iowa. And they asked, the police asked him where he was going, and he was going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Fauci. And they found in his car an AR-15 and multiple magazines of ammunition because he thinks that maybe I'm killing people. So I ask myself, why would Senator want to do this? So go to Rand Paul website. I'm going to stop it here for obvious reasons. This myopic little worm is trying to pin on Senator Rand Paul some idiot at a gas station in Iowa and claiming that his life is being threatened because of things Rand Paul says? Rand Paul, for those who don't recall, was at the Senate baseball practice, or excuse me, the congressional baseball practice in which Steve Scalise was critically wounded and almost killed. And he was standing just a few feet away from another a sheriff's deputy who was actually shot in the leg. He was almost killed by a nut who was an admitted Bernie bro. But you know what Senator Rand Paul didn't do? He didn't blame it on Bernie Sanders. He blamed it on the nut. Senator Rand Paul was also attacked in his own yard by a nut who came in to beat him and broke several of his ribs because he was a nut. Senator Paul didn't blame the Democrat nuts who may have inspired him, or the Democrat leaders who may have inspired these nuts. But Dr. Fauci is now, rather than answer the question about his public denial of real science, all for the purpose of his own power, and Dr. Fauci doesn't want to answer the question about his funding of the gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab that killed millions of people, 
would rather turn this around and blame Rand Paul and say, his harsh words are making people dislike me. It is, uh, it is a different world, my friends. It is a different world. Senator Paul, continue to fight that good fight, sir. Dr. Fauci, do the rest of the world a favor and resign. You're an embarrassment to science. We'll be right back. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. You know what I really love is I listen to Dr. Fauci claim that over 900, almost 900,000 people have been killed by COVID. I love that when Dr. Fauci's favorite network, CNN, turns on him. I, I love when that happens. CNN, anchor Jake Tapper, has called out the CDC for the misleading COVID hospitalization data. And their chief uh, medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, has agreed. Dr. Fauci, talking about 900,000 deaths, talking about all of these hospitalizations with COVID and so on and so forth, has overstated, along with the CDC, has overstated the magnitude and the severity of these uh, COVID cases since the beginning since the very beginning, and now even CNN is calling them out for it. Discussing the data from New York, Tapper pointed out the obvious. COVID hospitalizations have been inflated and are therefore misleading. If the CDC continues to include hospitalized for COVID and with COVID in the same data set, quote, so the hospitals are still stretched in because of this, so I'm not trying to take away from that. But if 40% in some hospitals, 40% of the people with COVID don't necessarily have problematic COVID. They're there because they got into a car accident or something else. They're being included in the COVID hospital numbers. That's misleading. And Sanjay Gupta, who has been one of the lead fear mongers for CNN, agreed, saying, I agree, Jake, it surprises me that they have been able or not been able to parse out that data more carefully. There needs to be transparency about that in terms of for or with COVID. In other words, CNN is starting to say today, January 10th, 11th, 12th, 2022, what you and I have been saying since the beginning. And if that doesn't embarrass Dr. Science, then nothing will. Thanks to Bernie Moreno, my guest today. Thanks to our crew. Thanks to you for listening. We appreciate that very much. Dr. Everett Piper returns to us tomorrow. Everybody have a great day, and let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.